Part One, Chapter Six of the Daisy Chain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Daisy Chain by Charlotte Mary Young. Part One, Chapter Six. A drooping daisy changed into a cup in which her bright-eyed beauty is shut up. Wordsworth. So there you are up for the day. Really, you look very comfortable, said Ethel, coming into the room where Margaret lay on her bed, half raised by pillows, supported by a wooden frame. Yes, is not it a charming contrivance of Richard's? It quite gives me the use of my hands, said Margaret. I think he is doing something else for you, said Ethel. I heard him carpentering at six o'clock this morning, but I suppose it is to be a secret. And don't you admire her nightcap? said Flora. Is it anything different? said Ethel, peering closer. Oh, I see. So she has a fine day nightcap. Is that your taste, Flora? Partly, said Margaret, and partly my own. I put in all these little white puffs, and I hope you think they do me credit. Wasn't it grand of me? She only despises you for them, said Flora. I'm very glad you could, said Ethel gravely, but do you know, it is rather like that horrid old lady in some book, who had a paralytic stroke, and the first thing she did that showed she had come to her senses was to write rose-colored curtains for the doctors. Well, it was for the doctors, said Margaret, and it had its effect. He told me I looked much better when he found me trying it on. And did you really have the looking-glass and try it on, cried Ethel? Yes, really, said Flora. Don't you think one may as well be fit to be seen if one is ill? It is no use to depress one's friends by being more forlorn and disconsolate than one can help. No, not disconsolate, said Ethel, but the white puffiness and the hemming and the glass. Poor Ethel can't get over it, said Margaret. But Ethel, do you think there is nothing disconsolate in untidiness? You could be tidy without the little puffs. Your first bit of work, too. Don't think I'm tiresome. If they were an amusement to you, I am sure I am very glad of them, but I can't see the sense of them. Poor little things, said Margaret, laughing. It is only my foible for making a thing look nice. And Ethel, she added, drawing her down close over her, I did not think the trouble wasted, if seeing me look fresher cheered up dear Papa a moment. I spoke to Papa about Nurse's proposal, said Margaret, presently to Flora, and he quite agrees to it. Indeed, it is impossible that Anne should attend properly to all the children while Nurse is so much engaged with me. I think so, said Flora, and it does not answer to bring Aubrey into the schoolroom. It only makes Mary and Blanche idle, and Miss Winter does not like it. Then the question is, who shall it be? Nurse has no one in view, and only protests against one of the girls out of the school here. That's a great pity, said Flora. Don't you think we could make her take to Jane White? She is so very nice. I thought of her, but it will never answer if we displease Nurse. Besides, I remember the time Anne came. Dear Mamma thought there was danger of a girl's having too many acquaintances, especially taking the children out walking. We cannot always be sure of sending her out with Anne. Do you remember, said Ethel, they're stopping. Well, said both sisters, don't you recollect, Flora, 
that girl whose father was in the hospital that girl at cocksmoor i do said flora she was a very nice girl i wonder whether nurse would approve of her how old said margaret fourteen and tall such a clean cottage the girls went on, and Margaret began to like the idea very much, and consider whether the girl could be brought for inspection, before Nurse was prejudiced by hearing of her cocksmore extraction. At that moment Richard knocked at the door, and entered with Tom, helping him to bring a small, short-legged table, such as could stand on the bed at the right height for Margaret's meals or employments. There were great exclamations of satisfaction and gratitude, it was the very thing wanted only how could he have contrived it don't you recognize it said he oh i see it is the old drawing-desk that no one used and you have put legs to it how famous you are the best contriver richard then see you can raise it up for reading or writing here's a corner for your ink to stand flat and there it is down for your dinner charming you have made it go so easily when it used to be so stiff there give me my work-basket please ethel i mean to make some more white puffs what's the matter now ethel said flora you look as if you did not approve of the table i was only thinking it was as if she was settling herself to lie in bed for a very long time said ethel i hope not said richard but i don't see why she should not be as comfortable as she can while she is there i am sure i hope you will never be ill ethel said flora you would be horrid to nurse she will know how to be grateful when she is said margaret i say richard exclaimed ethel this is hospital meeting day so you won't be wanted to drive papa no i am at your service do you want to walk so it was determined that richard and ethel should walk together to cocksmoor no two people could be much more unlike than richard and etheldred may but they were very fond of each other. Richard was sometimes seriously annoyed by Ethel's heedlessness, and did not always understand her sublimities, but he had a great deal of admiration for one who partook so much of his father's nature, and Ethel had a due respect for her eldest brother, gratitude and strong affection for many kindnesses, a reverence for his sterling goodness, and his exemption from her own besetting failings, only a little damped by compassionate wonder at his deficiency in talent and by her vexation at not being always comprehended they went by the road for the plantation gate was far too serious an undertaking for any one not in the highest spirits for enterprise on the way there was a good deal of that desultory talk very sociable and interesting that is apt to prevail between two people who would never have chosen each other for companions if they were not of the same family but who are nevertheless very affectionate and companionable. Ethel was anxious to hear what her brother thought of Papa's spirits, and whether he talked in their drives. Sometimes, said Richard, it is just as it happens. Now and then he goes on just like himself, and then at other times he will not speak for three or four miles. And he sighs, said Ethel. Those sighs are so very sad and long and deep. They seem to have whole volumes in them, as if there was such a weight on him. Some people say he is not as much altered as they expected, said Richard. Oh, do they? Well, I can't fancy anyone feeling it more. He can't leave off his old self, of course, but... Ethel stopped short. Margaret is a great comfort to him, said Richard. 
that she is she thinks of him all day long and i don't think either of them is ever so happy as in the evening when he sits with her they talk about mamma then it was just what richard could not do and he made some observation to change the subject but ethel returned to it so far as to beg to know how the arm was going on for she did not like to say anything about it to papa it will be a long business i am afraid said richard indeed he said the other day he thought he should never have the free use of the elbow and do you think it is very painful i saw the other day when aubrey was sitting on his knee and fidgeting he shrank whenever he even came towards it and yet it seemed as if he could not bear to put him down yes it is excessively tender and sometimes gets very bad at night ah said ethel there is a line here round his eyes that there never used to be and when it deepens i am sure he is in pain or has been kept awake you are very odd ethel how do you see things in people's faces when you miss so much at just the same distance i look after what i care about said ethel one sees more with one's mind than one's eyes the best sight is inside but do you always see the truth said richard gravely quite enough what is less common than the ordinary world said ethel richard shook his head not quite satisfied but not sure enough that he entered into her meaning to question it i wonder you don't wear spectacles was the result of his meditation and it made her laugh by being so inappropriate to her own reflections but the laugh ended in a melancholy look dear mamma did not like me to use them she said in a low voice thus they talked till they arrived at cocksmoor where poor mrs taylor inspirited by better reports of her husband and the hopes for her daughter was like another woman richard was very careful not to raise false expectations saying it all depended on miss may and nurse and what they thought of her strength and steadiness but these cautions did not seem capable of damping the hopes of the smooth-haired lucy who stood smiling and curtsying the twins were grown and improved and ethel supposed they would be brought to church on the next christening sunday but their mother looked helpless and hopeless about getting them so far and how was she to get gossips ethel began to grow very indignant but she was always shy of finding fault with poor people to their faces when she would not have done so to persons in her own station and so she was silent while richard hoped they would be able to manage and said it would be better not to wait another month for still worth weather and shorter days as they were coming out of the house a big rough-looking uncivilized boy came up before them and called out i say bent you the young doctor up at stoneborough i am dr may's son said richard while ethel startled clung to his arm in dread of some rudeness granny's bad said the boy proceeding without further explanation to lead the way to another hovel though richard tried to explain that the knowledge of medicine was not in his case hereditary a poor old woman sat groaning over the fire and two children crouched half clothed on the bare floor richard's gentle voice and kind manner drew forth some wonderful descriptions her head was all of a goggle her legs all of a fur she felt as if someone was cutting right through her well said richard kindly i am no doctor myself but i'll ask my father about you and perhaps he can give you an order for the hospital no no thank you sir 
I can't go to the hospital. I can't leave these poor children. They've no father nor mother, sir, and no one to do for them but me. What do you live on, then? said Richard, looking round the desolate hut. On Sam's wages, sir. That's that boy. He is a good boy to me, sir, and his little sisters. He brings it all he gets, home to me, wriggler. But tis but six shillings a week, and they make him take half of it out in goods and beer, which is a bad thing for a boy like him, sir. How old are you, Sam? Sam scratched his head and answered nothing. His grandmother knew he was the age of her black bonnet, as he looked about fifteen. Ethel honored him, and the bonnet accordingly, while Richard said he must be very glad to be able to maintain them all at his age, and, promising to try to bring his father that way, since prescribing at second hand for such curious symptoms, was more than could be expected, he took his leave. "'A wretched place,' said Richard, looking round. "'I don't know what help there is for the people. "'There's no one to do anything for them, "'and it is of no use to tell them to come to church "'when it is so far off and there is so little room for them.' "'It is miserable,' said Ethel, "'and all her thoughts during her last walk thither "'began to rush over her again, not effaced, "'but rather burned in by all that had subsequently happened.' She had said it should be her aim and effort to make Coxmore a Christian place. Such a resolve must not pass away lightly. She knew it must be acted on, but how? What would her present means, one sovereign, effect? Her fancies, rich and rare, had nearly been forgotten of late, but she might make use of them in time. In time, and here were hives of children growing up in heathenism. Suddenly an idea struck her. Richard, when at home, was a very diligent teacher in the Sunday school at Stonesboro, though it was a thankless task, and he was the only gentleman so engaged, except the two clergymen, the other male teachers being a formal, grave little baker and one or two monitors. Richard, said Ethel, I'll tell you what. Suppose we were to get up a Sunday school at Coxmoor. We could get a room and walk there every Sunday afternoon, and go to church in the evening instead. He was so confounded by the suddenness of the project that he did not answer till she had time for several exclamations and, Well, Richard? I cannot tell, he said. Going to church in the evening would interfere with tea time, put out all the house, make the evening uncomfortable. The evenings are horrid now, especially Sundays, said Ethel. But missing two more would make them worse for the others. "'Papa is always with Margaret,' said Ethel. "'We are of no use to him. "'Besides, these poor children, are not they of more importance? "'And then, what is to become of Stoneborough School?' "'I hate it,' exclaimed Ethel. "'Then seeing Richard shocked, and finding she had spoken more vehemently than she intended, "'it is not as bad for you among the boys. "'But, while that committee goes on, it is not the least use to try to teach the girls right.' Oh, the fusses about the books, and one's way of teaching. And fancy how Mrs. Ledwich used us. You know I went again last Sunday, for the first time, and there I found that class of Margaret's, that she had just managed to get into some degree of nice order, taken so much pains with, taught so well. She had been telling me what to hear them. There it is given away to Fanny Anderson, who is no more fit to teach than that stick, and all Margaret's work will be undone. 
no notice to us not even the civility to wait and see when she gets better if we left them now for cocksmoor would it not look as if we were affronted ethel was slightly taken aback but only said papa would be very angry if he knew it i am glad you did not tell him said richard i thought it would only tease him said ethel and that he might call it a petty female squabble and when margaret is well it will come right if fanny anderson has not spoiled the girls in the meantime it is all mrs ledwich's doing how i did hate it when every one came up and shook hands with me and asked after margaret and papa only just out of curiosity hush hush ethel what's the use of thinking such things a silence then she exclaimed but indeed richard you don't fancy that i want to teach at cocksmore because it is disagreeable at stoneborough no indeed the rendering of full justice conveyed in his tone so opened ethel's heart that she went on eagerly the history of it is this last time we walked here that day i said and i meant it that i would never put it out of my head i would go on doing and striving and trying till this place was properly cared for and has a church and a clergyman i believe it was a vow richard i do believe it was and if one makes one one must keep it there it is so i can't give money i have but one pound in the world but i have time and i would make that useful if you would help me i don't see how was the answer and there was a fragment of a smile on richard's face as if it struck him as a wild scheme that ethel should undertake single-handed to evangelize cocksmore it was such a damper as to be most mortifying to an enthusiastic girl and she drew into herself in a moment they walked home in silence and when richard warned her that she was not keeping her dress out of the dirt it sounded like a sarcasm on her projects and with a slightly pettish manner she raised the unfortunate skirt its crepe trimmings greatly bespattered with ruddy mud then recollecting how mamma would have shaken her head at that very thing she regretted the temper she had betrayed and in a larmoyant voice sighed i wish i could pick my way better some people have the gift you have hardly a splash and i'm up to the ankles in mud it is only taking care said richard besides your frock is so long and full can't you tuck it up and pin it my pens always come out said ethel disconsolately crumpling the black folds into one hand while she hunted for a pen with the other no wonder if you stick them in that way said richard oh you'll tear that crepe here let me help you don't you see make it go in and out that way give it something to pull against ethel laughed that's the third thing you have taught me to thread a needle tie a bow and stick in a pen i never could learn those things of any one else they show but don't explain the theory they met dr may at the entrance of the town very tired and saying he had been a long tramp all over the place and mrs hoxton had been boring him with her fancies as he took richard's arm he gave the long heavy sigh that always fell so painfully on ethel's ear dear 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 papa thought she my work must also be to do all i can to comfort him her reflections were broken off dr may exclaimed ethel don't make such a figure of yourself those muddy ankles and petticoats are not fit to be seen there now you are sweeping the pavement have you no medium 
one would think you had never worn a gown in your life before poor ethel stepped on before with mud-encrusted heels and her father speaking sharply in the weariness and soreness of his heart her draggle-tailed petticoats weighing down at once her missionary projects at cocksmoor and her tender visions of comforting her widowed father her heart was full to overflowing and where was the mother to hear her troubles she opened the hall door and would have rushed upstairs but nurse happened to be crossing the hall miss ethel miss ethel you aren't going up with them boots on i do declare you are just like one of the boys and your frock ethel sat submissively down on the lowest step and pulled off her boots as she did so her father and brother came in the former desiring richard to come with him to the study and write a note for him she hoped that thus she might have margaret to herself and hurried into her room margaret was alone maids and children at tea and flora dressing the room was in twilight with the red gleam of the fire playing cheerfully over it well ethel have you had a pleasant walk yes no oh margaret and throwing herself across the bottom of the bed she burst into tears ethel dear what is the matter papa no no only i draggled my frock and richard threw cold water and i am good for nothing oh if mamma was but here darling ethel dear ethel i wish i could comfort you come a little nearer to me i can't reach you dear ethel what has gone wrong everything said ethel no i'm too dirty to come on your white bed i forgot you won't like it added she in an injured tone you are wet you are cold you are tired said margaret stay here and dress don't go up in the cold there sit by the fire pull off your frock and stockings and we will send for the others let me see you look comfortable there now tell me who threw cold water it was figurative cold water said ethel smiling for a moment i was only silly enough to tell richard my plan and it's horrid to talk to a person who only thinks one high-flying and nonsensical and then came the dirt but what was the scheme ethel cocksmoor said ethel proceeding to unfold it i wish we could said margaret it would be an excellent thing but how did richard vex you i don't know said ethel only he thought it would not do perhaps he said right but it was coldly and he smiled he is too sober-minded for our flights said margaret i know the feeling of it ethel dear but you know if you did see that some of your plans might not answer it is no reason you should not try to do something at once you have not told me about the girl ethel proceeded to tell the history there said margaret cheerfully there are two ways of helping cocksmoor already could you not make some clothes for the two grandchildren i could help you a little and then if they were well clothed you might get them to come to the sunday school and as to the twins i wonder what the hire of a cart would be to bring a christening party it is just what richard could manage yes said ethel but those are only little isolated individual things but one must make a beginning then margaret you think it was a real vow you don't think it silly of me said ethel wistfully ethel dear i don't think dear mamma would say we ought to make vows except what the church decrees for us i don't think she would like the notion of your considering yourself pledged but i do think that after all you have said and felt about cocksmoor and being led there on that day it does seem as if we might be intended to make it our special charge 
Oh, Margaret, I am glad you say so. You always understand. But you know we are so young, that now we have not her to judge for us. We must only do little things that we are quite sure of, or we shall get wrong. That's not the way great things were done. I don't know, Ethel. I think great things can't be good unless they stand on a sure foundation of little ones. Well, I believe Richard was right, and it would not do to begin on Sunday, but he was so tame. And then my frock and the horrid deficiency in those little neatnesses. Perhaps that is good for you in one way. You might get very high-flying if you had not the discipline of those little tiresome things. Correcting them will help you and keep your high things from being all romance. I know dear Mamma used to say so, that the trying to conquer them was a help to you. Oh, here's Mary. Mary, will you get Ethel's dressing things? She has come home wet-footed and cold, and has been warming herself by my fire. Mary was happy to help, and Ethel was dressed and cheered by the time Dr. May came in, for a hurried visit and report of his doings. Laura followed on her way from her room. Then all went to tea, leaving Margaret to have a visit from the little ones under charge of nurse. Two hours stay with her, that precious time when she knew that sad as the talk often was, it was truly a comfort to him. It ended when ten o'clock struck, and he went down. Margaret hearing the bell, the sounds of the assembling servants, the shutting of the door, the stillness of prayer time, the opening again, the feet moving off in different directions, then brothers and sisters coming in to kiss her and bid her good night, nurse and Flora arranging her for the night, Flora coming to sleep in her little bed in the corner of the room, and lastly her father's tender good night and melancholy look at her, and all was quiet except the low voices and movements as Richard attended him in his own room. Margaret could think, Dear, dear Ethel, how noble and high she is! But I am afraid. It is what people call a difficult, dangerous age, and the grander she is, the greater danger of not managing her rightly. If those high purposes should run only into romance like mine, or grow out into eccentricities and unfeminineses, what a grievous pity it would be! And I, so little older, so much less clever, with just sympathy enough not to be a wise restraint, I am the person who has the responsibility, and, oh, what shall I do? Mamma trusted to me to be a mother to them. Papa looks to me, and I so unfit, besides this helplessness. But God sent it, and put me in my place. He made me lie here, and will raise me up if it is good, so I trust he will help me with my sisters. Grant me to have a right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in thy holy comfort. End of Part 1, Chapter 6 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona